Hey guys, this is Greg with the Grindline Podcast, and I am here to talk to you about DraftKings. With mobile betting now live in Michigan, it has never been easier to get in on the action and make those games mean just a little bit more. All you have to do is set your lineup, sit back, and watch your games. It's that simple. DraftKings has paid out over $7 billion, that's billion with a B, to users across all sports. So work on filling that wallet today with DraftKings. Download the DraftKings app and sign up using code THPN. New users will get a free entry with their first deposit. That's code THPN to get a free entry with your first deposit. Only at DraftKings. Minimum $5 deposit required. Eligibility restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com for details. Good evening, gentlemen. How are we doing tonight? Apparently, we have a curse. Uh, whenever we record during a Wings game, they're getting their dick stomped. So we probably need to stop that. <laughs> We're only now allowed. I'm sorry. Okay, I was up <laughs> yesterday morning, starting at four forty-five, uh, and did not. I couldn't go back to sleep because you know the newborn didn't want to go to sleep. But people don't want to hear about my yeah. newborn problems. So we push it a day. And when, like you said, whenever we record on a night where the wings are playing now, the wings are still... I guess we're all coming back to realization after a good Columbus series, a weekend back-to-back or whatever you want to call it, that the Red Wings are actually not great still. Um, even more evident tonight by the fact that they're playing Franz Nielsen. So... It's yeah, just Gagne and Ryan being out of the lineup isn't uh yeah, isn't good. It's back to it's back to the Detroit Red Wings that we thought was going to and now again we're not going to catch yeah. Buffalo because they're Buffalo. But they're buffaloing they their whole 18, situation up. Buffalo has what 18 straight losses now? Yeah, it's real bad. But they had a full 3 nothing lead the other night against who Philly ended up losing in overtime. Philly. Yeah, yesterday against Philly and lost what 4 to 3 in overtime. <laughs> Yeah, so it's their situation not good, and they yeah. thought firing their coach would help. And that's it's their their players are not, you know, doing hockey things like scoring goals and getting assists and putting the puck toward the net. They, so, they really are the lions of the NHL. Yeah, and it's like they're going to be in a perpetual rebuild forever because just when you think they're getting good, they get Dallin, uh, Eichel gets going, Skinner has a great season, they get Taylor Hall, and you're like, okay, mm-hmm. Buffalo's going to make a playoff push. And then they shit the bed like Victor Olofsson's over there in, in La La Land, like having to deal with all that. It's like very, it's very Buffalo. Buffalo is 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 very Toronto. Wait, very Toronto? Yeah, the Leafs. They're just stuck in perpetual terrible. Well, the Leafs are better oh, now, but they're not the, winning anything. You just mean because they haven't won a Stanley Cup since 1967? I get the joke. <laughs> The yeah, they're they are. You think they're going to be good and then they don't do anything. Uh, Granted, the Leafs are better and it's hard. It's getting harder and harder to make Leafs jokes. Um, No, it's not. Because there's been some fun debates about their fan appearances at games in the last like 24, 48 hours. Don't know where the fuck it came from. But uh, I just all I know. They haven't won 2004 for you know who that was against. It had to have been Ottawa, probably. Jason Spezza's Ottawa. Daniel Alfred Alfredson's Ottawa. And Alfie. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yep. Yeah, so. three oh four season was the last time they won a playoff series. Before the lockout, mind you. Yeah, and if, if the Leafs don't do anything uh, soon, 
I mean, we thought they were going to be in hell this season, and then somehow they were able to squeak their way through. But it, two two more years with a flat cap, uh, Leafs are going to be in hell soon. Which which we'll revel in, and it'll be great, and we'll all laugh and cry because Red Wings will still be bad. But next year we should at least be a little better. So we got a bit to talk about tonight. We're going to go over the Columbus series, talk a little bit about how Tortorella is clearly trying to get himself fired. And uh, a little bit about missing people from the lineup and who is on the trade radar for some other teams. Because we are quickly approaching the trade deadline in 12 days from now. So a little under two weeks. So uh, we're going to go into first, I think, the, the Columbus series. This past weekend, two games against Columbus, back-to-back wins. Impressive uh, to a point. Columbus was not good. Uh, they looked yeah. very, very much like they weren't really trying. And I don't, I don't know. I don't either because they're trying to make a playoff push. And losing four points is not not how you do that. No. I mean, I mean they've had the same guys are doing what you would expect them to do with, I would say the exception being maybe line a, he has been struggle busting there, but we'll get to that. Cause that's insane. Yeah. I just don't get how like you've got cam and, and Seth Jones and Zach Wierenski Domi. I mean, have the guys that they've traded away really, were they that impactful on the chemistry of this roster? I mean, we saw after, I think I saw today that they're bringing back in Liam foodie, um, who was the other one they're going to bring in? They benched Ryan McGinnis, so they made a couple uh, simple roster changes to hopefully try to spark something. But man, I I'll, I'll give the Wings credit because if you watch most of the games this weekend, like they came out the gate like a they came out hard. It's yeah, like, they wanted to it's win It's like those games. the the shellacking they took against Nashville. They the day after Bobby Ryan was quoted as saying that was their hardest practice of the season, and obviously that woke them up because they were making crisp passes, they were flying up and down the ice, they were dominating the shot count, which I don't think they've done that against Columbus in a very long time. It has been the exact opposite the last several times they've played each other because Columbus is such a great puck control team, usually, but this time it was just. Detroit was up their ass and they couldn't is the dingleberry. They couldn't get off them. It was, so it, was it was real was, interesting because yeah, it, 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 was, it was, it was good hockey it, it, to an extent. Detroit looked like Columbus in that situation or how Columbus should have looked. Like I like to say, how they usually have looked against us foot on the gas the whole time, not letting up, um, mm-hmm. making good passes. Like you said, Fabry scoring goals, Larkin setting people up. Mantha getting in at like Mantha has really picked his ass up and it's crazy how like when he's on he's on and he looks really good and he's skating fast and he's laying the body and he's making passes and you're he's letting other guys get in on stuff like again letting Mestikoff get in on stuff Heronics going full court shots again into empty nets and it's it's the way that the the Red Wings I think when you put in key pieces next season can look like that consistently even when the other team is playing well. Mm-hmm. Now, again, Columbus looked like the Red Wings this past weekend. So yes. what, what this did was it gave people some false hope, I think. It, it riled up the fan base again to like, oh my God, maybe maybe we can 
win some more games going into the end of the season. And and we can win some more games going into the end of the season, but it's not going to be like that because Columbus just looked like no. they were going to roll over and let us win. Mm-hmm. And I'd like yeah, to it didn't, see it didn't the, make sense, but it helped that they had secondary scoring too. Yeah. But I'd like to see that Detroit Columbus uh, locker room and Tortorella's speech after those games. Ooh, I would have liked to have seen it at the first period the other day after that first game. The wings just went out there and took it from them on on um, what was it uh, Saturday and Sunday. They just went out yeah. there and yep. they flat out were the better team. They took it away from them. They they played well defensively. I thought even though Columbus wasn't that dangerous offensively, I mean there was one point in I think it was the Saturday game where Nat or um, sorry Columbus scored to make it two to one. Was it wasn't it two nothing? And then the Wings scored that empty. Yeah, net, they made so. it. Yep, that was the empty net. That was Heronic, right? Or was that Sunday? Yeah, that Roslovic scored late in the second, and then Rasmussen scored. I mean, they made it two to one in both games, but the empty net goal was the Sunday game where Heronic scored. The Sunday game, Heronic. Yep. And by the way, is there anyone in the NHL that scores more empty net goals than Philip fucking Heronic? No, it's Jesus the only way he Christ. scores his goals this season. He, they yeah, showed well, it. He's had five empty net goals since last season. It's unbelievable. It's unbelievable. He's the king of the, he's the goal trader. The, the guy uh, that just hit pounds the empty net. We used to say that back in uh, the playing <laughs> NHL online. Those days of people going into those lobbies and goal trade. And that's exactly what Phil Peronick's doing right now, but good for him. You know, good for him getting, getting the, putting the puck in the net, even if the, there's nobody there. Um, it was good to see Mantha score. Uh, Robbie Fabry's Playing pretty well as well, and Dylan Larkin games looked like a bat out of hell. Not that he usually doesn't, but he was just on another level. It seemed like those last two games. So mm-hmm. not so yeah. much tonight. Yeah, I really like the night. the line with Larkin, Zadina, Fabry has been really good, and it showed again tonight where Philip Zadina is going to put the puck in the net. If you keep mm-hmm. feeding, if you feed Philip Zadina the puck, Philip Zadina is going to score. And you just need to keep He's not giving afraid to shoot it to the him. Puck. We know that much. And someone should maybe give that piece of information to Philip Peronic. Like, hey, quit lofting them on the net and Zadina's wide open. Just pass it to him. Enough times he's going to score. Mm-hmm. Or he's going to make a nice play to set someone up because we've seen also seen Philip Zadina, the playmaker. Get him the puck because you're not doing him any favors. I easily, I think, like, I think it was what tonight's his, is it his fourth goal of the season? But I think it could easily be his his tenth, if if people would pass him the puck. Like tonight was a snipe. He picked his spot and he hit it, and and he beat mm-hmm. Bob clean, and it was nice. And he just needs to keep doing that. But Larkin, I think if Larkin keeps setting up Zadina like that, because Larkin is a a great playmaker. He's a playmaking center. If he sets up Zadina like that, I think Zadina can do well, and and will do well because yeah, we know he has the scoring ability in him. The Zadina Larkin Fabry line, like to your point, even though he's maybe not necessarily getting the puck in the net himself, like that Fabry goal, it started out with I forget who brought it into the zone. Then it went to Zadina. He brought the puck into the middle of the ice, dropped it back to Larkin, who cut down and then hit hit Fabry on a cross ice pass for the goal against Columbus. Like that's these guys are. It's a pretty electric line. It's something yeah. we were familiar seeing with Larkin, Burt, and Mantha. But now we've got a little bit smaller of a group out there that can really fly, and it's it's fun to watch. It, we're seeing from Zadina, though it's only thirteen points, fourteen points now in twenty nine games, thirty games. Like it's not to the level we want, but we also you know need to remember that he's only twenty one years old. So it's 
leaps and bounds better than what we've seen, especially since last year. And I know we've hit touched on that before, but it's, it's, it's promising. And if he can keep this going, he's, I think he starts getting to the level and expectations that we were hoping for. So we just need to see this continuous improvement. And then you get, you bring a guy like Raymond into the lineup and get a Bertuzzi back in the lineup. Yep. It's going to get better. Yeah, I think what you get with this uh, Larkin-Fabry-Zadina line is you get Larkin, who can score goals but is a great playmaker, and you have two pretty high-scoring threats in, in Robbie Fabry and Philip Zadina, but Philip Zadina is also a great playmaker. Fabry, not as much. So you've got two guys who can really set people up, and you've got three guys that can score goals. So your top line is a, is a solid top line, and I think... Robbie Fabry on any other team would probably not be a top line player, but in this situation he can be because Zadina is good defensively, Larkin is good defensively, Fabry really doesn't have to worry about it. Um, so it's it, it'll be interesting seeing what happens in next season because next next season I don't think your your top line is not going to be uh, Larkin, Mantha, Bertuzzi anymore. Zadina is going to have to be on your top line because he's earned the spot and he shows he has a talent and he he's a younger guy who's just going to keep getting better. And maybe mm-hmm. maybe Mantha becomes one of your middle six guys. Uh, maybe Bertuzzi slots down in the second line. And then again, Raymond most likely won't be here next season, but the, the season after. And then what are you going to do with Bert? Is Bert, is Bert going to sign a long contract? Are you going to trade Bertuzzi? Are you going to trade Mantha? There's a lot of decisions that have to be made. But going into next season, Larkin, the Bertuzzi-Larkin-Mantha line, I think, is is all but... It's it's finished. It's got to be finished. Because you've got people pushing themselves into those spots. Yeah, but what if it turns into a 1A-1B situation like we saw way back in the day or like with what Tampa's been going able to roll with? It could you see Larkin and distributing the puck the way he does it 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 almost makes you think like what if he could have like a Lucas Raymond type of guy or Zadina turns into a you know a trigger puller like a Panarin or like a um, I don't know I guess like a a Phil Kessel back in the day where you know he's got a good center that can pass on the puck and Dylan Larkin of course is is a great playmaker as you said earlier but, I mean, you get a guy like Raymond in here, you get uh, Bertuzzi clicking at all cylinders. I mean, it, the sky is the limit, especially with Dylan Larkin, and his numbers are just going to continue to go up if he can if he can get some strong forwards around him. Yeah, and it's like it's not that Larkin can't score goals because he can, and we've seen him him do it, but with if you get another playmaker on that line, like Lucas Raymond can make plays too. If you have a top line eventually in two seasons, say, or three seasons of Larkin, Raymond, Zadina, that's a killer. That could be a killer line. And you're looking at people like, uh, and I don't like comparing. I I think Larkin, in a sense, is underrated. Because like we said, if you took a Dylan Larkin and you put him on the top line of somewhere like Washington, it'd be crazy. If you put, and I'll go back to maybe not the greatest example but a decent one. Jonathan Taves started out with Patrick Kane, right? And Jonathan Taves can score goals. He had a, a 35 goal season just as, as recently as 2018-19. Dylan Larkin can score goals. Um, Patrick Kane can score goals. So I think you could get Larkin to a level of a Jonathan Taves if you give him the the right people. And I don't think that's 
too far-fetched. I don't think that's out of the realm of possibility. I mean, Jonathan Taves had an 81-point season in 1819, but he's normally in the the 50s and 60s, and I think Larkin can be in the same area if you get him uh, a Patrick Kane. If you, like I said, if you yep. give him mm-hmm. Lucas Raymond, and Lucas Raymond can do what he's built to do, and Zadina keeps improving the way he's improving, I don't, I don't see why not. And people struggle to say, well, Larkin wouldn't be uh, a first-line center on many teams. And I'd counter that I think Larkin would be a first-line center on a lot of teams because he has the tool set. Mm-hmm. He just doesn't have the people around him. Yeah, he, he can be a fringe, but you see what he, when he's with skilled players, that's why there's so such great chatter about the fact that when you put him with Mantha and Burt, look at the domination yep. that they can bring. Yep. Like, they're out there putting it to other teams' top lines. I see people on Facebook saying, oh, well, he's no Connor McDavid. I'm like, well, yeah, no is no one is, is anybody else. Neither is anybody else. And the other thing I'd like to argue about that whole Connor McDavid argument is he gets to play with Leon Dreisaitl most of sure. the time. Not saying that, 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 that McDavid couldn't do it no. on his own. But, I mean, <laughs> it definitely helps. It definitely yeah. helps to have Leon Dreisaitl on his side. Those two guys are unbelievable together. And then, again, like I said, Larkin may not be the type of guy that can do it all on his own, but uh, there's not very many players out there that can do it on their own. Nathan McKinnon, Leon Dreisaitl, maybe, and Connor McDavid, is there anybody else that can really take over a game on their Trust own? Me. Yeah, you can go back. No, just you can go back anymore. to Crosby. Not any, but I mean Crosby in his prime. But if you look at, if you go no, back, Crosby can still go out there and dominate. Sure, and Larkin has shown he can do that too at times. But the thing is, is most centers, really good centers, have good wingers with them. And when your best winger, and this is no shot on on Tyler Bertuzzi. He was Larkin's best winger this season. And Tyler Bertuzzi on most other teams is a middle six guy. So if you maybe even a fourth liner on some teams. And but if you give if you give Dylan Larkin a true first line scoring winger, someone like maybe a Lucas Raymond or keep him developing with Philip Zadina the points will come, but the, the more important thing is Larkin's play. We're way off topic, by the way. <laughs> back to Columbus. I'm going to rein it back in. Back to Columbus. The first game, they had 22 shots on net. The second game, they had 17. That's bad. That's real bad. And Columbus did. Columbus did, yes. And, yep. and that's... I think the thing that came out of it is some people tried to make Calvin Pickard look like Jesus... Like the the next second coming of Dominic Hasek, and he faced twenty two shots. I mean, in 17 he did make shots. some good saves. Sure, but it was I'll give special. him credit there. But people are like, "Man, Grice, Grice is done. P- Pickard is our goalie now." Nah, Pickard tonight kind of pro- tonight was the reality check on that. Yeah, three goals on what eight shots? Calvin Pickard since uh, his professional career. Colorado, Toronto, Philly, Arizona, and Detroit since 2014-15. Now, he yeah, has he not... He starter in Colorado, wasn't he? Uh, yeah, for he played, two... At least played quite for a bit. One for one season. One or two seasons. One season. So his biggest season was 2016-17, played 50 games, and he had a save percentage of uh, 904 with a goals against a 298. Since that season, 
He has not had a season where he has had a uh, save percentage over 900 or a goals against under 3.6. So he's not an NHL starter. He's a fringe NHL backup. And it's obvious in two wins where the team other team doesn't even look like they're trying and has 22 and 17 shots. You're not taking and then They try him again today. OK, I see all well, you quote unquote ride the hot hand. However hot it was after two wins against a Columbus that was half dead. And you let in what something like two. It was two or three goals on on eight shots. It doesn't look good. And you go to Grice and Grice has looked decent so far. And and Grice is getting some of the least goal support in the entire league. He's not looked great, but some of it is not yeah, his he, fault. He's been kind of a repeat of Jimmy from last season. Sure. And that's been kind of the the oh shit moment for him because we obviously knew that him coming in, that there was a potential of him and Bernier being pretty formidable back there. Yeah, like but a 1A, again, 1B. That was the hope. But look at what Grice came from to what he came into and – I think that maybe I, I don't know what it was necessarily, but it, he just hasn't looked crisp. Like there's been you can guarantee almost two goals a game with him in net where you're just like, dude, what what, what was that? Where it just squeaks through. I, I've seen the comments of where he there's just a hole there that he just doesn't plug. And it just is it's frustrating to watch because it's what we dealt with with Jimmy last year. And now tonight, like you said, he has looked better in limited action just because it's been a shorter game he's faced i think almost close to 20 shots now Mm -hmm. but i don't know it 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 really kind of goes into a lot of the conversations about what the hell we're going to do for goaltending that we kind of talked about already yeah and i we talked that our hope is maybe in a couple seasons that petrozelli is ready but that's a big big hope Pickard's not great. I mean, there's there's not much of his game that there is to like. I mean, I'm sure he's a good guy or whatever, but I mean, there's 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 no secret. He's not an NHL caliber starter or even a backup. I don't think at this point. So the other part about the game, here's the thing. So Patrick Line got traded to to Columbus, and and Patrick Line is like. We would all agree that Patrick Liney is a good goal scorer, right? I would say great. Yeah, sure. Why don't they just let him go score goals? Why do they keep trying to make Patrick Liney something that he isn't? I guess there was something that came out that said that the the experiment of trying to make Patrick Liney a 200-foot player isn't working. Okay, we knew that. That was an article just that came out today. Sure, we knew that. They should have known that going in, that that's not who Patrick Liney is. You let Patrick Liney go, you give him some defensive forwards around him, and you let him score a million goals. Why do they hate, why do they hate Patrick Liney? I guess is my question. Or why do they hate themselves enough to make Patrick Liney not score goals? I think, I, this, I here's my theory on this. I think the game of hockey itself and I don't make no mistake. We're all in a hockey podcast. We all love the game of hockey, but over the years, it seems like the refusal for whatever reason of having it one guy, it doesn't, it doesn't mean you have to have four or five of these guys in your lineup that are like this, but the refusal of wanting to have even just one player in your lineup that, that doesn't back check 
or doesn't doesn't play a, a two hundred foot game is is just it doesn't make sense to me. You can't have one player in your lineup that does that. I know these coaches are so hard headed. I get it. They they've been doing this a long time. Whatever. But my thing is is like. If, they always used to say this about Phil Kessel here in Boston when he was under Claude Julian. Um, Phil Kessel doesn't play a 200-foot game, but he scored 30 goals, I'm pretty sure, one of the years. And then they shipped his ass out. And then he got to Toronto, and they let him play, and he scored a bunch of goals. And then guess what? He still wasn't the centerpiece of the team because goal scorers are not the centerpieces of a team unless you're Alex Ovechkin. And even then, you know, you still have to have a pretty solid team around you. Now, my point is is when Phil Castle got traded to Pittsburgh, that's when he started to flourish because he got to play with Evgeny Malkin. These goal scorers, you can have one of these guys in your lineup. Why can't these coaches get that through their head? Because it's all about working hard, and it's all about showing that you have to have effort. Like, Artemi Panarin's not a great 200-foot player, is he? But he scores goals. And and that's how they that's used him. My that's point is, is I don't understand that's it. That's what's crazy. Yeah, even Ovi. Ovi wasn't a, a 200 foot player. People complain because Ovi's defense used to be real bad, and he's oh, in, the, the bad. brunt of all the my controller died jokes. Yeah, he's improved, but that's the thing is you you can have a guy who's not a great defensive player. If this guy's putting up 30, 40 goals a season, who cares? And that's the whole thing with with Mantha is that. People say, oh, Anthony Mantha doesn't play defense. He's lazy getting to the puck and everything. I don't think they'd be saying that if Mantha put 40 goals up, right? They'd be like, oh, my God, Anthony no, Mantha's wouldn't. scoring a goal every other game, and we're winning more games, or he's having multi-goal games. And, and Mantha, like I said... I think he's if you push him north of 30, finally, sure. it'll, it'll change. Sure, and he's moved his feet more, and he's become more responsible, but... I think at some point a coach has to say, look, I know you can score goals. I'm going to put you with uh, defensive responsibility A and defensive responsibility B. Try your best, but go score us a ton of goals. Get open, score goals. That's what I want you to do because we need scoring, which is what the Red Wings need right now. But to to try and make Patrick Laine, who we know is is a very good goal scorer, something that he isn't. I mean, it's just, I don't know if it's, if it's Tortorella's, I'm going to be the biggest asshole in the room problem or, or just trying to, I guess, squeeze something out of a player that isn't there and is shown to not be there because he doesn't want to do it. It doesn't make any sense to me, especially when you're a Columbus team who just had 22 and 17 shots against the Red Wings. Makes no sense to me. I think the other thing that people don't realize too with with the the players that are goal scorers you got to score your goals and i'm not saying that you have to be responsible defensively but you have to at least give an effort to come back and back check if it's a two-on-one or give an effort to to back check when the puck comes up your wing and you're you're already cherry picking at the blue line or outside the blue line like it's more of an effort thing than it is anything else and if you're not going to show effort with Torch, you're not going to play. I mean, he's said it a zillion times, and you guys have heard it a zillion times. And, I mean, there's just a lot in Patrick Laine's game that there's a, not a lot of effort involved in, and I think that's why Torch has, has an issue with his game. 
Yeah, because I mean, I guess the, the counterpoint there, I shouldn't say counterpoint, but like to go along with that is that we talked about Panarin not having the greatest defense, but there were times and there were many games I remember watching, especially when down in Columbus, like he, though not the greatest defender overall, he would bust his ass to get back and he would make plays and go take that puck as he kind of kind of hear Tortorella saying to do with line A right now. And then he's going back the other way and he's creating a scoring chance. So I think that is what Torts is trying to envision or instill inside line A. But you're trying to make the playoffs, though. This is not the time to try to do that. No, not at all. I don't know. It's just baffling to me that you're going to try and while trying to make the playoffs and trying to make a push where you've got a team that can do it, you're going to try to force a player into a box that we know he he isn't part of and that just doesn't make sense and and i said i don't know if if tortorella is trying to get himself fired if he doesn't want to be in that situation anymore and he's a guy that some players would run through a brick wall for other players absolutely hate him and it it doesn't Mm -hmm. make sense that that you don't want i mean at this point you're you're purposefully putting a player down that could help you win games when you're trying to make the playoffs yeah, especially when a guy, he came in, he had, what, I think 10 points in 10 games when he first came over. And now he's just been, has hardly done anything since yeah, that point. Withering away. So they're, And now, because of their overall issues, they're now three points behind Nashville, who has just turned it on and is on fire. And Chicago, who has just kind of quietly hovered right there at that 4-5 slot. So it's Nashville, Chicago, Columbus, in order, 4-5 and 6 and it's, I mean, Columbus, I think, is actually winning. At least I saw they're up two to nothing on Tampa tonight, which it's very don't understand surprising. how that worked out. So, like, that's where you're just like, man, what the fuck is going on over there? Because to me, they should be up here where, where Florida's at. I mean, not as maybe as good with the record, because I think Florida is 22, 9, and 4 right now. So they're one of the top teams in hockey at 48 points, about to be 50. You're welcome. Um, <laughs> But you would expect Columbus to be like close behind them, at least 40, 42 points. Like some of these losses they've had, you're just like, what are you, what's, what's going on? And majority of people, as we all know, are pointing directly at Tortorella. But it's doesn't, to me, that's where it still doesn't make sense. Like it's the same roster that led them to upsets, got them to back a couple from playoff appearances. Like they made a few upgrades, in my opinion. I mean, lose, losing Dubois, I think, was, is pretty impactful being yeah. the center that he was. But he made it clear he wasn't happy. But then when you bring in a guy like Line A as the replacement, you don't really take too much of a drop off other than the fact that you lost a center, which obviously we know that that can be a big Very deal big in the that. NHL, yeah. Yes. Huge but part. To get a goal scorer like that, that's kind of like that's where you had that trade off. Like, all right, let's go. So, I mean, I think maybe if they, with bringing in Liam Foodie, let's see if he can finally revive himself. He, that, I think he's what still what 19 years old. Yeah, young. And he could be good a young a, prospect. Yeah, he can be a hell of a hockey player. So if he steps it up and keeps that going, I mean, there's your potential long term, but in the moment they're in with Torts being in the final year of his contract, it's it's a shit show and it's not good. I don't know. It does like it, I I said doesn't make sense. Tortorella must not want to be in Columbus anymore and that's a hell of a way to to get yourself out is by not not letting guys just go play their game and 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 mm-hmm. sitting them and and not giving them like eight minutes of ice time and not playing them a whole period. It doesn't make especially when they're should be your top goal scorer. 
doesn't make any sense. Yeah. He but, only had 14 minutes or a little over in both those games against Detroit. Yeah. But speaking of not playing good players, uh, the Detroit Red Wings for, was it through this is maybe the third game? Is this the third game that Troy Stetcher hasn't played? I um, so. I, I think so too. And to me, again, I can come up with reasons that I'll give you in a minute for it. But Jeff Blaschel has a statement on the the sitting of Troy Stetcher on why he is a healthy scratch. Here's the quote. Coach's decision. We wanted to get six defensemen, and so at that point, you've got to make a decision that somebody comes out. Other guys have bigger roles on special teams, and that's not necessarily his fault, but those guys have bigger roles on special teams. And then I thought, obviously, after the Nashville game, I could have set any one of them, but you've got to make a decision on which guy, and so we ended up sitting him. He'll get back in there. He's a very, very great competitor. He's hard on people. He competes really hard. He talks. He does a lot of good stuff. He's been a good player for us most of the year, but ultimately, again, you've got to make decisions, and somebody's got to come out, and he came out. Okay, one, that's the most Matt Patricia paragraph I think I've ever read from Jeff Blaschel. It is terrible. Um, He could have said, I don't know, he beat me at Mortal Kombat, and I don't like him, so I'm going to sit him. It doesn't, he talks. That's one of the sentences in there. He talks. Okay. I hope so. Um, he competes really hard. He's been a good player for us most of the year, but he had a couple bad games, so he's not going to play anymore. Uh, now, the reason that I can give where maybe the reason that, that Troy Stetcher has sat, there's a couple of them. One could be because they are showcasing people like Mark Stahl, and, and Mark Stahl needs to be traded at the deadline or before the deadline so that they can free up a defensive spot and get some assets for a dude who they took on as a liability and, and has really played well. Uh, we talked to Max about it. Stahl has been better than anyone ever imagined he would be. They also need to maybe showcase Danny to Kaiser and see maybe if someone will take him. Maybe. Good yeah, good luck, but maybe that's maybe a thought. And my third thought is maybe they need Stetcher 100% healthy so they can trade Stetcher at the deadline. But those are my only three thoughts because we have people that are better at special teams is a real shit reason to sit one of your guys who has been probably one of your better defenders all year. Yeah, one of the most consistent guys at both ends of the ice. Mm Mm-hmm. It wasn't very long ago, and I would still make this argument between Stetcher and... and juice they've been the best defenseman the wings have had it john merrill too yeah, john merrill it, mm-hmm. i mean troy stetcher offensively pretty good defensively pretty good makes a good first pass he's fast i mean what more do you want and you put these bums danny de kaiser mm-hmm. and i mean mark stalls played pretty good this year so i'm not going to give him shit but yeah, he I mean, started danny slow DeKaiser, and he came around yep it just doesn't make a lot of sense it's a lot of BS, and to me, it kind of smells exactly how it smells to you of of them trying to showcase some of the guys that we have to see if someone will take a flyer. Yeah, it's my only, I guess that's my best guess, because I can't see reason, especially for like now three games in a row. Why don't you mm-hmm. swap them out with someone else that's not really doing anything? Get DeKaiser. Uh, Sure, DeKaiser, swap them out. Swap out Juice with someone. I mean, we're finally back to playing a full forward lineup in, in six defensemen. Like, you can you can easily just swap out someone like Juice or DeKaiser or even sit Nemeth for a game. Yeah, I mean, the, the special team shtick that he's trying to pull again 
I, I don't fucking buy it because look at the different penalty kills that they've been rolling out there on the ice. Look at how much, how much he's changed up on the back end in the power play. Like he, there's no consistency overall really of who he's been kind of throwing out there. We've seen every freaking forward on the team just about playing on the penalty kill. Mm-hmm. We've seen Gagne out there. We've seen Mantha Larkin, every, all these guys. I mean, Larkin's a, the typical mainstay, but I, Gagne, if we've learned anything, Sveshnikov, it's like, the Red Wings the don't fuck? have a consistent specialty team system at all. No. So why do you why do you say, oh, well, we got guys that are better on special teams. And um, for that reason, because we may get two penalties a game, uh, we're not going to play Troy Stetcher. Mm-hmm. Uh, just throw Troy Stetcher out there on the, on special teams when you're you're not playing half your game on special teams. You're just not. Yeah, it's That's not how it's same going. Bullshit line that he gave about Svechnikov. And, and we'll have people come back at us, uh, uh, <coughs> Pete, saying that, oh, well, yeah, there's going to be people that say just throw them on special teams. That's what I'm going to say, because maybe in your two or three penalty chances a, a game where you're maybe going to score on one of them. I, I don't think that you having Stetcher out there versus you having Juice out there. And I get it. Juice has been decent offensively mm-hmm. this season. I don't think there's great on the power play. Yeah, I don't think there's going to be much of a difference between that no. and, and the rest of the game is going to be positively impacted by having Stetcher on the ice. The majority of of your game that is not special teams, it to me yeah, doesn't I mean, the, doesn't make sense. No, because the way he skates, he's able to get himself out of issues. Now, I don't, I didn't get to watch the Nashville game, so apparently that is a, a large reason as to why it's one got game. Sad. But exactly. Like we're not, we're now treating him like Mantha? a fucking rookie, a Mantha or right? a Zadina or a Sveshnikov. Now we're, now we're treating him like a 23 and under guy that's been in the, the league for several years when he's been out there in every situation. Like I said, he can skate, he can pass. We know he can shoot and he can defend. He's been, hell, we've even been calling him our best goalie in some games because of the plays he's made by, as a puck that's about to go in the net. Like, yeah. Come on. I don't know. To me, it's like Blaschel's being purposefully hard on people where I don't think it's it's really necessary. Now, again, it could be behind the scenes stuff. Eiserman could say, hey, I'm going to try and trade Stetcher. We need to make sure that he's healthy. Right. That could totally be a thing. Or I need to try. I need to trade to Kaiser and Stahl. So you need to sit Stetcher so they can kind of take on a bulk of the minutes and, and look better. Mm-hmm. But... It, because he is he is a guy under contract next year so it's a consideration especially for seattle too yeah yeah but to me it's kind of hard i i kind of made up my protected list um this past week and and stetcher's on my protected list Mm -hmm. he's been one of our like you said one of our better defensemen solid on both ends of the ice and and should be i mean it's he's only 26 He's one he's of the about guys. To turn twenty-seven. Yeah, he's one of the guys that Iserman gave more than one year to. So you know mm-hmm. he he likes his game. I mean, it, it, to me, it's it's baffling, and there you, there's something behind it, and we won't know what's behind it until probably after the trade deadline. They're not going to publicly say it, but we'll be able to figure yeah. it out. I think what aggravates me the most 
with this coaching staff and and not even just this coaching staff, I guess just this coach in general is the the lack of transparency. I know you can't be transparent when it comes to trying to trade. No, you can't just say I'm sitting him because I'm trading people. (laughs) This goes back to the Dennis Chalowski. This goes back to the Dennis Chalowski situation on his birthday in Vancouver when the wings are out in Vancouver and he's, he basically sends them back down, right? Or, or he was a healthy yeah. scratch yeah. and then they sent them back down. There's countless situations like this. Svechnikov scores the other night and he's out of the lineup tonight. Or no, he is in the lineup he's tonight. He's in the lineup tonight. But you get, you yeah. get my point. The, the, he, there, it seems like they're always making decisions. And I don't know if it's a collaboration or I don't know if it's just Jeff Blaschel making sporadic decisions on his own. But it just seems like he doesn't have his finger on the pulse of how things are going. And to me, that's unacceptable. I'm sorry, that's unacceptable. And I don't know if you guys agree with me, but it seems like there's always one. You can't ever look at the lineup or you can't ever look at something and say, okay, you know what? That looks pretty good. You always, there's always one thing in the lineup. Oh, well, why is Nielsen here and Svechnikov isn't? Or why is Nielsen in the lineup at all? Or why is the Kaiser in the lineup? Mm-hmm. There's just, it seems like every time you look at the lineup in the morning, you're just scratching your head like, how is this guy going to be in the lineup tonight? But then this guy just scored the other night and he's out. What did he do? Did he do something off the ice? I mean, come on, man. We, we can't win too many games. That would be terrible. What I was going to mention right before you went there, Tyler, was makes me wonder because we know Stetcher was hurt. Is he still kind of hurt? Maybe that that was one of the other things that was brought up by people. Maybe maybe Stetcher has some kind of lingering thing that they don't want to aggravate. Like I said, in case there's a trade, maybe Mm -hmm. they don't want him getting hurt, which, again, would make sense. And I could give you a million different reasons why I would keep Stetcher out of a lineup. Um, even though he's played well, and that's that's one of the reasons on I would give. Diego. Yep, sure. If it come, falls down to it, yeah, which so, is awful, but we we won't know. Um, but we can delve a little bit further into, and, and we've got some time left. Talk about some of the recent trade talk. Uh, several teams apparently looking at Luke Lindening. The one that uh, was brought up was Edmonton. The worry <laughs> is that Edmonton would be outbid by another team. Um, I know previously that what what Ken Holland had tried to get for Luke Glendening when they were trying to trade him, and I think they've been trying to trade him the past few seasons, is is they wouldn't take any less than a third-round pick. And I think you may be able to get that this year. I think that a contender... Not from Edmonton. No, but I think maybe a contender might try to trade... It might give you a, a late second for him, maybe... Mm-hmm. Um, but Luke Glendening, I think, definitely is on the move at this trade deadline. There should be several teams interested in him. Uh, shut down fourth line grinding center that'll win you 60% of your faceoffs is is something. Uh, you throw him in the O zone, every team's going to want that. Uh, he is He's the main one, and we talked about it uh, when we talked to Max, that Luke Glendening is, is probably more than gone this trade deadline. Yeah, you, you'd think so. I mean, he's, as we said before, he gives you everything you want for a fourth line player to include the salary, which Detroit can eat half of that. Cheap. So, a team, so cheap. So you're looking at a freaking entry level contract pretty much if they traded him off Yep. Uh, for a team, which is fantastic knowing the cap situation. So if he 
finagles a late second rounder. Uh, That leaves Detroit with four second round picks this coming season because we already own Edmonton's. We have the Rangers, which actually is going to be a fantastic pick now. Hopefully. Ideally. Um, And then, yeah, because you're looking at a trade with Edmonton. They're not giving you a second or a third this year, but somebody made a good point. It was was Mario. I was chatting with him. Like, if if you do, if Stevie's looking at trades, it very well could not be for this season because we have pretty heavy capital for the, for this year. One, two, four, uh, six picks in the first three rounds this, this year. Mm-hmm. So, and we only have our three picks. So three picks total one, two, and three next season and the season after. So he, he hasn't gone much past this season. So if, the, if he's going to make something happen, I could see it being for futures. Yeah. And again, I think so if you're seeing it for futures, I think that you could this might be a draft where you could say uh, late because people are trying to win a late second for for Luke Lindening. I think if you're looking into the next draft, you're probably going to get a third uh, because at that point, people are going to have a better handle on the prospects in that draft, uh, having most likely played a full Mm -hmm. season. You're going to know more of what you're getting at that point. So uh, it might this this draft could come at the end of the second round and start being a crapshoot because of of the uh, OHL situation and the CHL mm-hmm. playing a very condensed schedule and a lot of the European leagues getting delayed or canceled or games canceled or whatever. I could see maybe some more maybe gambling this season, uh, and and now that they have, uh, you could also now we talked about it, see more trades because Canada has taken their quarantine down to seven days. From yep, from the two official. weeks, so you could see more trades pop up now, where maybe you can send them to to a Canadian team. Now maybe more more likely to trade. And and what I'm looking at is you may see more trades happen before the deadline because of the quarantine situation. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I would say the next couple of days could really start to get interesting if if it's going to be a trade between the countries. Yeah, and I think if if the deadline is the twelfth. Mm-hmm. Uh, you could see maybe maybe stuff start to pick up on the fifth, and then by yep. trade deadline day or whatever the the quarantine is up, we could be completely off base, and they could yeah. still wait and take it up to the deadline sure. because now that they have that seven day flexibility, depending on the team, maybe they try to to swing it where they make that trade on a Saturday or Sunday going to the, de- the deadline, and from that point you're. If you're if you maybe got a couple less games in that time frame now Montreal they're going to be in kind of a bit of a pickle here because they've had time off because of COVID and old Bergevin while he said that they're going to be quiet they go out and make a trade and so now the anticipation there is that he's going to be willing to give up something that maybe they shouldn't yeah maybe Bergevin muscles will make fashion. a bad move mm-hmm. so I would say that their spot to keep an eye on for somebody with Detroit and then also Toronto Toronto I mean, yep. They, they could use it. I'm not saying that they're struggling. I mean, obviously, they're just out there doing what they do best. But you add a guy like Glendening to a roster like Toronto. Mm-hmm. You win your face-offs and you throw it to the offensive threats. Yep, and that takes a lot off your top guys. You are not you don't have to worry about John Tavares getting back there on defense late in the game, which, granted, you know that he can do it, but it relieves Tavares or Matthews or whomever from having to be on those high-pressure defensive situations, and it, it saves him in the playoffs. Yeah. Now, we'll end tonight. we got about 10 minutes left, 11 minutes left. 
on the most recent rumor. So Pierre Lebrun has said that uh, Philadelphia may be thinking about giving Carter Hart. Flip, flip, Philadelphia. Yeah, Carter Hart um, is having some struggles. We know Carter Hart's a great goalie, phenomenal goalie. Understatement. Having, Having a very hard time right now. Philly may be in the market for a goalie to try and give Carter Hart a little bit of a reset. And Pierre Lebrun has said that uh, the person on their radar could be Jonathan Bernier. So here's what I think. Um, Oh, God, help us. Uh, (laughs) If you've seen how Calvin Pickard's playing and you've seen how Thomas Grice gets literally like the least goal support in the entire league. Uh, it's not the rest of the season is going to be absolute hell. So if Philly wants Bernier, I'm asking Philly for nothing less than a second round pick uh, because mm. it's going to be pain. You want we're gonna, we'll turn into Buffalo for the end of the season, which may be OK. Put us in better draft position, but it's going to be just yeah. real, real hard to watch. That'd be very interesting if they if they went that route, because. They have very little. They all they have in Philly is their own picks. So for them to put, if we got a second round pick as a fleece out of that, maybe you send one of ours, like the Rangers pick or Edmonton's pick, back in exchange for it. Maybe. Well, you could be looking at prospects too. That's yeah. the thing. You could get a maybe a good forward prospect. Maybe I don't. I'm not. I'd be looking more at forward prospects they, than defensive prospects right now. They have a lot too in the pipeline in Philadelphia. Maybe you don't even get a a pick from Philly. Maybe you get someone like maybe you ask for someone like a Morgan Frost. He's twenty one. He's a center. To be a good center prospect. Maybe you. And I mean, some of these are are. Uh, I mean, long shots. Maybe you ask for a Bobby Brink. Uh, maybe you can get someone like a, an Emil Andre, even though they just drafted him. But it's. It'll be interesting, I think, to see because, like you said, Ryan, is that maybe you're looking at futures, but with Philly only having their own picks, maybe you're looking at prospects. Yeah, that that might be one where you get like a fourth or a fifth rounder in this situation, and you do get maybe a a middle-tier prospect that still has the ability to make it into the NHL roster. I don't think Eisenman's going to deal with anything that's less than someone that can play in in, in the NHL level. Maybe it's a way to potentially get Goss to spare. <laughs> get Goss to spare for free right now. It's not I'm worth it. Well, well, uh, uh, not yeah, worth I, it. I, I guess. I, I'm just saying maybe it's an opportunity to get a prospect or or even like, you know, a later pick because obviously it's something that is to need of the Red Wings. I mean, they don't have a ton of puck-moving defensemen, so Goss there is a pretty good puck-moving defenseman, also another power play guy. But again, I mean, he's more of a guy that would probably be on a team that, that's ready to win now on the bottom <laughs> bottom pair or something. You know? I don't know. With Ghost, you're sacrificing defense, and he's on pace so for like 35 issue. goals or 35 points in a full season. And he's far removed from his 65-point season. He's 27. He had hip surgery. His movement is not as good as it was. I wouldn't, I wouldn't be on someone like Goss Despair, but I, I, may, I may try and get a good prospect from Philly. Not even ask for a pick. Say, hey, you guys have your own picks. That's great. I don't need to take picks from you. Give me this good prospect, and I will give you Jonathan Bernier, 
And then at the end of the season, I'll just go try and sign Bernie again because they're not going to need him past the season because Carter Hart's a great goalie. So Bernier would be a pure rental. It may help Philly in, in the short term get back, uh, may help Carter Hart, but get back to where he needs to be and, and could be kind of a, a, a plus for us in, in the trade market. So I could see a few other teams maybe in on Bernier. And like I said, goalie deals at the deadline are, are a little hard because you have to be, uh, you have, there has to be a team that really needs a goalie. And in Philly is a team that right now, Carter Hart just needs to get his shit straightened out. And I mm-hmm. think having a solid alternative starter could help him out a lot. Yeah. He, he's young. He's going to, he's, he'll turn it around, but it's just like, man, it's bad. It's, uh, it it's was, bad. It was, it was some br- brutal words spoken about basically get your shit together. Yeah. You, you've shown what you can do. You're not doing it right now. You better start. Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah, it'll be interesting to see what happens there. Like I said, we're under two weeks away from the trade deadline now. And, uh, yeah, it should be a lot of fun. Iserman's got a lot of work to do. We got some uh, roster spots to free up for permanent spots for guys like Giovanni Smith and uh, Jen- Dennis Chalowski and Michael Rasmussen uh, need full-time spots on the team. I'm done with taxi squad stuff. So uh, I think that's where we're going to end it tonight. I want to get final thoughts. We're going to start tonight with Tyler for final thoughts. Yeah, my final thoughts are it seems like it's going to be a bumpy ride to the finish here. <laughs> it looks like we're going to get uh, it's going to get a lot worse as the season goes on here because, you know, you hear some of the names uh, and it, even some of the names that we didn't mention, like Bobby Ryan, if he if he you know comes back from the injury that he's got right now, or maybe that is just preserving, um, y- you know, whatever he's got going on right now. Maybe that's just a Anyways, I mean, my thoughts are hockey, or if you're me. Tyler, we just lost you for like three complete sentences. What was that? We just lost you for like three complete sentences. Okay, so you lost him too. Yeah, your internet cut out or whatever. So what should I do? Uh, Go back to you were talking about Bobby Ryan. Just start back there. Okay, yeah, so so the other thing is, you know, you could see a guy like Bobby Ryan moved out as well and, uh, you know, other guys that we haven't talked. You know, there's a lot of good hockey going on around the NHL and the Frozen Four coming up with three Minnesota teams and one UMass um, Amherst, so that should be interesting as well. You can follow me on Twitter at SealDog91. I'm happy to talk to you about hockey or anything else in the world. Surprised you didn't sneak in something about your Boston Red Sox. <laughs> Well, Next. you know, Go ahead, day's coming. It's coming. <laughs> I was waiting for the, the, the baseball drop there at the end of yours since uh, we're now into the opening week of baseball starting. So, uh, But no, my uh, final thoughts are this team is just as equally confusing as they were last year, even though they technically shouldn't be. Um, we had the the emotional highs, if you will, against the, the Blue Jackets, showing us signs of hope that probably shouldn't have been shown. So it's, I think we're now to the point where we take what we can get, and these this next week and a half is going to be very interesting to see if, for one, Iserman does make moves. We The anticipation is there that he will, based off how the roster is set up. So it's not a matter of if, it's a matter of when that it's going to happen. So... 
enjoy the players that are here that you like right now because there's a good chance that some of them or many of them could be gone by uh, April 12th. So it's going to be a bumpy ride or it could get better after that. Who knows? We'll just have to wait and find out. Just enjoy guys like Zadina scoring goals tonight. Larkin looking fantastic again. And that's all we can really do at this point in the year because it's not going to get better. We just hope that these guys continue to play at least well. So that's all I've got. RD Ryan 33. You know, that's a good point, Ryan. Maybe getting rid of some guys and opening up some roster spots and giving that time to kids will actually make us better for the last part of the year. Not maybe what Potential. we want, but could be what we need. Um, yeah, my final thoughts are going to be we're going to be doing some pretty sweet giveaways probably coming up pretty soon. We've got some income coming in, so it should be pretty interesting to see what uh, we can get our hands on to do giveaways for. Uh, we've also reached out to a couple people to maybe get some partnerships in the works. So stay tuned for stuff like that. You can follow me online at Bringing the Wing. You can follow the Grindline Podcast online at Grindline Pod. You can check us out on all the major podcast platforms. I'd like to give a shout out to the Hockey Podcast Network, who so graciously hosts us and several other uh, hockey podcasts. You can check them out at Hockey Pod Net on Twitter. Uh, we also like to give a shout out to Howie's Hockey Tape, where if you use the promo code GRINDLINE on howieshockeytape.com, you get 10% off your order. And if you use that same promo code on Bring Hockey Back, you get 12% off. We also like to give a big shout out to Founders, who is the official beer of the GRINDLINE podcast. And if you could kindly go to our merch shop at redbubble.com by searching the GRINDLINE, you will find all our designs there, uh, which will be expanding coming when I have time to sleep and actually do things. <laughs> so uh, that's going to do it for us tonight. So for Ryan and Tyler, I am Greg. You stay classy, Hockey Town.